Hi, this is Claudia Opper. Welcome to another episode of Audio Law, the law podcast for busy people, brought to you by Illustrated Law. In this episode, we'll be talking about the case Hardy v. LaBelle's Distributing Company, 203 Montana 263, from the year 1983. Now, this is another example of a false imprisonment case. And just to review some of the conditions of false imprisonment, in order for something to be considered false imprisonment, there must be intent to restrain plus actual restraint plus awareness of confinement. And in this case, we'll be examining whether the plaintiff's perception of a threat to employment will satisfy those conditions of false imprisonment. As you listen to this episode, please consider donating a dollar or two to the show. You can do so by going to www.illustratedlaw.com. You'll see right on the homepage a green button, and if you can give a dollar, two dollars, really whatever you're able to spare, it'll help us in being able to create more helpful episodes like this one. With that, let's dig into Hardy v. LaBelle's. We'll begin with the facts of the case. The defendant, LaBelle's Distributing Company, which I'll be referring to as LaBelle's, hired Hardy as a temporary employee on December 1st, 1978. She was assigned duty as a sales clerk in the jewelry department. On December 9th, 1978, Another employee for LaBelle's, Jackie Renner, thought she saw Hardy steal one of the watches that LaBelle's had in stock. Jackie Renner reported her belief to LaBelle's showroom manager that evening. On the morning of December 10th, Hardy was approached by the assistant manager of LaBelle's jewelry department and told that all new employees were given a tour of the store. He showed her into the showroom manager's office and then left, closing the door behind him. There is conflicting testimony concerning who was present in the showroom manager's office when Hardy arrived. Hardy testified that David Kotke, the showroom manager, Steve Newsom, the store's loss prevention manager, and a uniformed policeman were present. Newsom and one of the policemen in the room testified that another policeman, instead of Kotke, was present. Hardy was told that she had been accused of stealing a watch. Hardy denied taking the watch and agreed to take a lie detector test. According to conflicting testimony, the meeting lasted approximately from 20 to 45 minutes. Hardy took the lie detector test, which supported her statement that she had not taken the watch. The showroom manager apologized to Hardy the next morning and told her that she was still welcome to work at LaBelle's. The employee who reported seeing Hardy take the watch also apologized. The two employees then argued briefly and Hardy left the store. Hardy brought this action claiming that defendants had wrongfully detained her against her will when she was questioned about the watch. So the issue of this case can really be broken into two parts. One of those being whether the evidence is sufficient to support the verdict in judgment and the second one being whether the district court 
erred in the issuance of its instructions. And just to be perfectly clear before we move into the reasoning of the case, the district court originally found in favor of the defendant, saying that there wasn't proper evidence in order to rule for false imprisonment. Let's keep going with the reasoning. The two key elements of false imprisonment are the restraint of an individual against his will and the unlawfulness of such restraint. The individual may be restrained by acts or merely by words, which he fears to disregard. While Hardy stated that she felt compelled to remain in the showroom manager's office, she also admitted that she wanted to stay and clarify the situation. She did not ask to leave. She was not told she could not leave. No threat or force or otherwise was made to compel her to stay. Although she followed the assistant manager into the office under pressure of a tour, she testified at trial that she would have followed him voluntarily if she had known the true purpose of the meeting and that two policemen were in the room. Under these circumstances, the jury could easily find that Hardy was not detained against her will. Where jury instructions taken as a whole state the law applicable to the case, a party cannot claim reversible error as to the giving of certain instructions. Now, before we move on to the holding and some key takeaways from this case, let's hear about this episode's sponsor. This episode has been brought to you by Illustrated Law. Order your Illustrated Law book today on Amazon for only $15. Unlike traditional law books, Illustrated Law books have illustrations, practice questions with answers, key takeaway summaries, and so much more. It's the simple way to learn law efficiently. There are currently three Illustrated Law books available, and those are Constitutional Law, Torts Concepts in Criminal Procedure, Investigation, and Justice. Head over to Amazon and order yourself a copy, or maybe even order a copy of all three. All right, let's go ahead and start wrapping up Hardy v. Lavelle's with the holding. There is ample evidence to support the jury's finding that Hardy was not unlawfully restrained against her will. The court's instructions adequately stated the law on false imprisonment. So, what can we gather from this case? When it comes to false imprisonment, if it's going to be restraint by words, then those words must be words a person would fear to disregard. Furthermore, threat to employment is insufficient in qualifying as a condition for false imprisonment. And that does it for Hardy v. LaBelle's. Thank you for listening. If you found this podcast helpful, make sure to tell your friends about Audio Law and check out some of our other podcasts. As Audio Law is the law podcast for busy people, I hope this episode helped make your day a little less busy. Thanks for tuning in.